Welcome to the Femininja podcast. This series was co-curated and co-hosted with our friends at Who's Knowledge. These episodes were recorded during the Decolonizing the Internet East Africa gathering in Lusaka, Zambia. Welcome everybody to today's podcast. I'm Yulendria Pasami, the Communications Associate for the Visible Wiki Woman campaign at Who's Knowledge. And my lovely co-host today is Sylvia Kerubo from Femnet, um, and I work there as the digital media officer. And our wonderful guest is Lena Anuolo, a poet, writer, social justice activist, and digital content creator. My affiliation is to Ukombozi Library in Nairobi, Kenya. Okay, cool. Well, I think something I'm really interested in is what is your day-to-day or how does that look like as a poet, a creative, a librarian? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my day-to-day is there's really no formula to how my day begins. Uh, So it depends on if I have a project, if there's work I have to do, I do that. Uh, I like to take a lot of walks. They ignite my creativity. Uh, I journal a lot. That's where I also draw my content from. It grounds me. Uh, My day-to-day is I try as much as possible to be compassionate with myself and to try and find ways in which I can transform a lot of the anger and rage that is within me against oppression, against just all this nonsense in the world into something useful. Mm -hmm. That's my Mm day-to-day. And... Could you maybe tell us a bit more about the library, how it came into being, Mm. Um, maybe what kind of work you're interested in? Because I'm, I think for a lot of us, going to the library when you're a small child is such a beautiful place to just escape what's happening. And if you're lucky enough to go to a well-stocked library, you can travel and learn so much just through reading the books that are there. And so libraries for me I have always been this place of calm, of resting, of being able to be yourself or find out more about yourself. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear more about your library practices. Okay, so like you, I've really loved libraries. They're my sanctuary. Uh, they keep me... I really love them. I love the quiet. Most of the time, I actually fall asleep in very quiet libraries, but that's okay. Uh, So Ukombozi Library is a radical Pan-African community library. Uh, The books that are there are mostly on leftist history, leftist literature, feminist history, feminist literature. Uh, There's a huge section on Kenyan history that isn't taught in books. Uh, that space really affirmed me because uh, for once I really felt like there's some there's somewhere I can go and impact change on the world. Uh, the main programs that we're involved in are conscious raising sessions with uh, social justice centers that are based in informal settlements. So the social justice centers are an organic movement of grassroots human rights organizations in 26 informal settlements all around Kenya and also in Nairobi. So we just go there and make people aware that of the superstructure of capitalism, 
of patriarchy and what can be done to change, to effect change, and what are the methods of reform that we can use towards a revolution that is lasting and sustainable for everybody. Mm. I think um, when I heard of the work that you were doing, it reminded me of a Zimbabwean artist who has shown quite a lot in South Africa, and he has this um, space called the library, mm-hmm. and it's um, a whole room that's full of records of African musicians, mm-hmm. and it has like pamphlets, zines, um, like revolutionary posters, and it's free to access for anybody to come into the space, and you can just look around, you can listen to the records, you can, it's just a space for you to both learn, but also relax um, from the kind of oppressions we face in the world, um, and it sounds like it's very similar in the same energy and the same spirit that you are taking this library project. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's actually quite similar. We do have a lot of room and space for artists, for creatives to come and express themselves uh, and share their work. Yeah. Mm, so. mm-hmm. And in the work that you're doing, so we're talking about leftism, we're talking about capitalism, we're talking about patriarchy and that as like um, awareness raising, right, mm-hmm. through the library. But how does decolonizing fit into that and how would you conceive of decolonizing through the work you're doing? Mm, that's a good question. So in the beginning, when we were thinking about like forming study groups and study cells, uh, we were thinking about the environments that we were going to go into. These are places where people live from hand to mouth. So to actually ask someone to sit down and read, let's say Angela Davis, it's just so tough. And even if you have time, sometimes to go through all that, to to interpret some of that work can be difficult. Mm, mm-hmm. So uh, our aspect of decolonizing is that, first of all, we do our best to understand that text. And then when we go out into the community, it's not a didactic exchange of we have come to tell you all the issues that you have, but how can we contextualize the knowledge of the the knowledge that has been created by oppressed people all over the world to liberate themselves? How can we con- place it within our context in Madare, in Kayole, uh, and to change our conditions? So we try and uh, our best to have like an exchange together. And anything we generate, if it's reports if it's study papers, it's freely available. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's someone can turn it into a song, then that it will be turned into a song. If it can be turned into a play, it's turned into a play. So we don't just look at knowledge in terms of text. It can be very, very many things. Mm, yeah, That's beautiful, and it sounds really collaborative as well. Yeah, And that's the, uh, one of the central meanings of decolonizing for me is understanding that people are knowledges Mm -hmm. and that we embody a lot of different kinds of lived experiences that are just important as whether we could, let's say, read or if we've gone to university or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And those things are just as important and valuable um, in the work that we're doing. Um, And I think my second question uh, over here is, about how the online space factors into your work. 
and how the internet factors into your work, um, especially thinking through different kinds of media that's not just text. Okay, so how that in, in impacts my work? I'll speak because I come from, maybe I straddle both sides. I straddle corporate where I have to work as a digital marketer and there are businesses that I'm working with. And then on this other side of an activist. Um, the experiences are sometimes jarringly different, but then I can see the interconnectedness. As a digital marketer, I see that there's so many restrictions in terms of like who who can access some of the opportunities that are there. Like there are things, for example, with the algorithms on Google that can prevent me from marketing myself, but there are people who have maybe bigger budgets for advertising who can mm -hmm. get more jobs. Yet the internet should be a free space for everyone to do their work. Uh, in terms of building up my skills, I find that sometimes the courses are difficult to access because of cost and also the technical language that is used. Uh, and that's why I was really, really encouraged by Caroline Ekarisima's project to make coding much simpler. I was like, yes, I have to plug into that because I'm really curious about that. Mm. Um, as an activist, um, I find that some of the ideas that I want to express might be policed. So I really, really think about what I want to share. Yet I've, I feel like I want to be boundless, but the space I'm in and knowing that maybe the level of solidarity that my comrades can give is limited. For example, if I'm arrested and the police take, don't take me to a police station, then it's difficult for my comrades to find me. So I can't be reckless. I can't be reckless about what I share online and put myself in danger, mm -hmm. and my comrades in danger in a situ and put them in a situation where they are going to be helpless. So it's a it's a very tough balancing act. Mm -hmm. It gets to my head sometimes, like oh my gosh, I want to scream. I'm so tired. I want to switch off all the internet, all the social media, because sometimes it makes me so anxious. Mm -hmm. But I need it for my work. So and that's why. Decolonizing the internet is such, I mean, it has re-energized me. You don't even know. <laughs> I'm so happy to be within this convening because there's an internet that we can make that is pleasurable, that is joyful, and that is safe. And that's where I want to exist and express myself without having to think about anything. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So onto this internet that's pleasurable and joyful <laughs> and created fires for us. How have you experienced the past few days at DTI East Africa? Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe you could speak through some of your expectations coming into the space. Mm -hmm. And did we meet them? How was it? Um, what were your experiences like at the convening? They have certainly surpassed all my expectations, all my, my dreams. It's true. I'm not, I'm not gassing you up. It's actually really true because... When I came, I was so nervous. The first day, I was so homesick. I slept, I think, for 12 hours. I slept from 7. I woke up at 7 the following day. And I was so nervous. I didn't know who I was going to meet. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy that I saw some familiar faces. I'd known them online, but I'd never actually met them in person. Mm -hmm. uh, my expectation was to learn and be joyful. And I have learned a lot. Like yesterday... I spent five hours with Kelly, almost, I think it was from 3 p.m. till 7, 
six or seven, learning how to edit a Wikipedia page. And I did edit. I put Ukombozi Library on Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> so, Amazing. Yeah, so I'm really happy I got to do that. I met she who just really helped to push me out of my shell. Because if, if I hadn't interacted with her like that, I wouldn't have been as open with my art as I was today. Today has been the happiest day of my life also. My life till now, till this moment. Of course, I'll have other happy moments. But <laughs> today was really happy. I looked good. I slayed. Everyone looked good. And I, I was able to spread my art and meet many, many new different people mm. and make new connections. So this it, it has been a very, very healing. And when I say healing, I mean it really, truly healing like my my mind, my soul, my everything. I'm so happy to be around feminists. I, I really am so happy so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Where do we, let's just end the interview there. Like that. <laughs> let's just, the podcast is over now. <laughs> oh, that, that's so great to hear that these kinds of spaces, you know, do, do these things. And like in our previous interviews with people and our previous podcasts, that's been like how we all feel. Mm-hmm. Like that these spaces are so vital, they're necessary, they give you more motivation to continue in the work that you're doing, they affirm the past work that you've been doing, Um, and it also connects you with other people that you may not have known before, but it's a feminist space, and we greet each other, we laugh, we (laughs) share our drinks, (laughs) and maybe most of us didn't know each other coming into it, Mm -hmm. and there's just a kind of solidarity and a friendship and a connection that comes from being feminists that are located in Africa as we were joking earlier over lunch Africa is one country (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I don't know know. I'd like to um, ask about Ukombozi where is Mm -hmm. it located in Nairobi okay Ukombozi library is located in on you along University Way Mm -hmm. it's right opposite the University of Nairobi. Mm-hmm. It's on the second floor in between Kingsway Tires and Nairobi Safari Club. I know that's a lot to process, <laughs> but because the corridor is so nondescript, the first time I went to Kombozi, I passed it like five times and I got so frustrated. Like, mm-hmm. I can't find this place. So you have to, that's why I've described it like that. Yeah. Yeah. You named it Kombozi because of the Swahili? Yes, Kombozi, yeah, Kukomboa. It means to liberate. Yeah. Yeah. And we have the tools to liberate us. No one is going to come and liberate you. You just have to free your mind. Mm-hmm. It's a tough process, mm-hmm. but you have to believe it because James Baldwin said, when you read books, you find that you're suffer- in your suffering, you're not alone. Yeah. You always think your suffering is unprecedented until you read and then you find I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. So we just have to be in solidarity with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I love that. That's why we need more community <laughs> libraries and yeah. more public libraries. <laughs> and maybe, I think, uh, maybe I'd just like to ask, um, from where you're seated, mm-hmm. what do you imagine a decolonized internet would look like moving forward? What would you like to see more of, even, you know, coming from DTI, we've had like freedom on, you know, internet freedom, the sessions that we had, like, how do you imagine that space will look like for you? So I would like to see a lot more of queer content Mm. and 
queer also even beyond personal expression even queer as political expression queerness that subverts any any oppression also so that's what i'd like to see more of uh, i'd like to see a safer space online and safer not necessarily through litigation or legislation or laws because this same those same laws can again be used against us yeah but through like community solidarity like if something happens to Len in essay like this she knows that she's not alone there are hashtags that we can start or solidarity that we can give each other online mm-hmm. mutual aid in 2020 we did a really big protest together as young people and we fundraised through mutual aid there was no funding just by sharing the word online and even activists who were arrested were bailed out by people like normal Kenyans not any big funder who came to help us was Kenyans mm-hmm. and we would not have done that without Twitter and we organized wow. online mm-hmm. and the cops didn't even know who was doing the protest so they just were arresting people it was so funny sometimes you're standing actually next to a cop and they don't know you're the one doing the, the <laughs> protest because there was no branding we're just organizing yeah. online and i saw that the university of zambia students did the same thing mm-hmm. during the election they also organized a protest online oh wow so that's a it's a just internet mm-hmm. and it's an internet that is that centers queerness and that subverts all oppression for real yeah mm. thank you thank you i love that yeah mm. i think like in querying the internet that comes with like an inherent sense of safety mm-hmm. and we spoke to Arya in one of our podcast episodes mm-hmm. and Arya was talking about how the internet could be this utopian space mm-hmm. of freedom of expression how however you self identify and just kind of moving away from the online world being shaped by the offline world mm-hmm. and the oppressions we face here so i think it speaks very clearly also to your point of just an internet with more queer content and queer people feeling safe and joyful to express whatever they want to online. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to find out from you more about what your experiences on a colonized internet would look like, aka the internet we're sitting with right now. Um so you were talking a bit about how you've been organizing protests online. Um and how has those experiences been facing the internet harassment and online kind of unsafety it's been very scary in fact uh after 2020 i had to take a break and i'm kind of still taking a break because this conference is what ha- is slowly like edging me back into actively participating in a radical political space Mm-hmm. because uh when we were organizing online like our phones were hacked and sometimes cops would be outside the door and we just had to it was very very scary honestly mm-hmm. and like even during the protest when we were uh, some of us were arrested as i mentioned before mm-hmm. and when they the police arrested us they were telling us that uh we don't have anything to do and today's the day they send us to heaven and it's an unmarked car oh yeah it gosh. was very scary so when we yeah. actually got to the police station i was like thank you my gosh at least i can tell people i'm in a police station i've been booked so they can't do any funny business right now mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so that has been the experience with online harassment. A lot of us had to get off get off the internet and lie low for a bit. Uh, so that has been my experience as an activist online. Uh, personally, I've experienced cyberbullying. I came out when I came out. I thought like the internet. Oh, most of us actually come out on the internet first to our friends sometimes. So when I came out, I was bullied. Uh, and that was not a very good experience also. It traumatized me for a bit. Mm. And I got off IG on mm-hmm. Instagram. So now is when I'm slowly coming back. But I was, I'm was i always scared about what I post because mm-hmm. I don't know how someone will react to it. So I really don't like um, the internet as it is now. Mm-hmm. But as like Anasuya said in the beginning of the sessions, it's a mix. There's some good things and there's some bad things because mm. in the good way, I was able to meet all of you and we are sharing pictures. There's visible wiki women. We can edit Wikipedia articles also. We can protest online on hashtags and then there's also that side, mm. which is bad. Mm-hmm. So we can we can use the existing structures to dismantle the structure completely in mm. the end. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's about dismantling the whole structure yeah. and not taking this with us into this wonderful queer internet we want yeah. to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what were some of your takeaways in terms of what are the alternatives we are building or what are the things we're going to dismantle? Um, so these are your takeaways from the convening in general or even any of the FIFA Africa panels that you went to today? Hmm. I really enjoyed the panel on the Internet and Human Rights uh, at FIFA. Uh, there was Natasha Sima of Sima Africa. Uh, there was Jerry Sikazwe. There was Nancy Handabile. And there was Victor from Sipesa. So it was a really vibrant panel. We talked about some of the legal issues and how artists can position themselves to uh, petition censorship online and keep themselves safe online with the existing laws. In fact, today I learned that there's a UN Declaration of Human Rights, Article 19, pr- uh, protects the freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. So I did not know that. And for example, in Kenya, international laws are applicable in Kenya. Mm. So we can use that. I did not know that that can be used. Uh, I really also liked what you said uh, on Monday about building our own undersea cables. Because I was really shocked that the the current undersea cables of the internet are built on Cecil Rhodes Telegraph. I was like, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. It made me angry. It shifted my mood down a bit. And I was like, oh my gosh, we really have to change that nonsense. Uh, And I also really liked Caroline's uh, project uh, because we can now build websites where the user experience is inclusive to all different kinds of people, people who are neurodivergent, people who are who are disabled. So we can build our own things and we have it. It's it's a little hard I, I know, but for real we can we can change. And if it's too tough for us, we can teach younger people and even young ones as young as even ten years old, so that by the time they're our age they've just done amazing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely like do-it-yourself feminists, yeah. do-it-with-other-people <laughs> feminists. We're yeah. going to be building those undersea cables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think what Kelly was talking about with the with the telegraph lines mm-hmm. and how 
there's just these um like the rail the railway travel as well as the post office and how those were um the colonial uh kind of communications networks and channels and mm -hmm. how a lot of our online infrastructure just directly follows mm -hmm. those um colonial you know like architectures it it was mind blowing when i figured that out as well um considering everything colonialism has done yeah. um it's shaping what our future looks like in the online so this is a space in our conversation if there's anything else you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered maybe a poem you'd like to share with us um and for our listeners here's your space and your time uh so i do have a poem i'd like to read it's from my collection of poems uh my first my first collection it's called rage and bloom and it's the diary of an activist through the human rights space and it is my reflection of being a community organizer and just being a queer person in the world uh it's titled region bloom and the reason it's titled region bloom is because of course uh i go through very different emotions within that human rights space and uh there are sometimes i'm angry sometimes i've despaired sometimes i'm bitter but in the end i'm very optimistic that we can build futures based on care and solidarity uh and the poem i'll read is called virago uh virago is kiswahili for like the little things that we have yeah and i also saw on pinterest i don't know if it's true i can't verify it but i saw on pinterest that it can also mean a very strong woman so mm. it's yeah so the i'll read it then maybe i can give a uh, more context about it afterwards yeah virago dawn breaks with the tears of isis or purple light or the color of royalty in a concentration camp there are too many unspoken words and festering wounds on infected toes and injured hearts memory is formless slipping through the cracks of our lives and in the spaces between the sheets of this metal tents echoing past the borders of this containment camp that is over a hundred years old surrounded by a congregation of gunmen this silent song drawing those in the business of the tears of madare to try on development project after development project like a pile of t-shirts in gikomba so i asked the son of god in the waning light of daybreak what is solidarity so uh madare in nairobi was the base of the Kenya Land and Freedom Army and it was a quarry and Madare has existed for a hundred years so when you come to Nairobi you see all the buildings they are from the stones and the labor of Madare and Madare is that way because uh the Mau Mau used to organize the Kenya Land and Freedom Army used to organize mm -hmm. from Madare and that's why i say that it's a containment camp that is over 100 years old uh when i say to try on development project after development project like a pile of t-shirts in gikomba i'm speaking to how very many people try to come try to come and exploit uh poor people common people with maybe like sometimes academic projects that those people cannot access later 
or projects that they'll say will improve their lives, but mm-hmm. it doesn't improve their lives. That's why I ask, what is solidarity with all these people if there is no class um, analysis of why Madare is the way it is? But Virago, like all common people all over the world, uh, like all oppressed people all over the world, we are the majority and we have the power to dismantle these structures that oppress us. Viva. Viva! <laughs> yes! Lena, thank you. It almost felt like like a, a religious quiet <laughs> settled over us as we were listening to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Also, if our listeners want to purchase a oh, copy, yes. please plug yourself. Yes. Where can I we, always, how I got, can we support you? <laughs> I get excited and then I forget. Okay. Uh, so how you can purchase a copy? Uh, currently, uh, you can DM me on my Twitter handle. It's Atlena Anuolo. If you're international, you can with I'll make I'll, you can purchase the book from Nuria Books, N U R I A, then books. It uh, if you purchase it from that website, it can be shipped to you wherever you are. Um, yeah, those are the two places at the moment. So personally, through me on my Twitter handle at L Anuolo, on my Instagram it's at Ridge and Bloom Poetry, and for international shipping, it's on Nuria Books. N-U-R-I-A Books. Thank you. Okay, All right. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for just sharing with us all of the amazing community activism and work you're doing, your ideas for an internet future, and just for connecting with us in the space. Thank you so much for having me. Hey! Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for joining us for the Femininja podcast. We really believe and trust that you have enjoyed our conversations and they have pricked some thinking, some, some, some kind of wanting to find out more about feminism, about patriarchy, and what is the role for each one of us in detonating patriarchy and proudly and boldly claiming ourselves as feminists. So stay tuned, keep following us, engage with us on Feminine website www.femnet.org Thank you. You can follow Who's Knowledge on Twitter at Who's Knowledge.